Hey everyone, I'm Brielle. And I'm Michelle, and together we're the Wine Pro and the Wino. Each week we'll chat about wine and break it down to make it more relatable and easier to understand. And we'll do it all with glasses in hand so you know the pressure's off. I'm the Wine Pro. I regularly teach wine classes and started my own wine consulting business, Viva Lavino, in 2017. And I'm Michelle, the Wino. I love drinking wine and learning about it. So whether you're a Wino like me or a Wine Pro like Brielle, you're welcome here. We share a common goal to bring people together through wine. So pour yourself a glass and let's get started. That was pretty solid. I think that was pretty good. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wine Pro and the Wino. I'm Brielle, your Wine Pro, and I'm here with Michelle. Hey Brielle, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm excellent, enjoying my my wine in front of me right now. Well, this is a perfect time for you to be enjoying wine because today our episode is all about our favorite wines. I'm so excited because I will do anything and have any excuse to drink a California Cab. I know you will, and I have so many recommendations for you, and really they're recommendations for you and I to drink together when we're in person, because I too love a California cab. I would like nothing more than to share this bottle with you. <laughs> I know, you told me about it, and I was like, that sounds delightful, and I have oh, not, fantastic. I haven't had that exact one, so I'm excited too. Um, so as we get started today, we want to preface the fact that our tastes and our palates are different, as are all of yours if you're tuning in. There's no right or wrong when it comes to wine. And my foundation philosophy of Viva Lavino is wine is only good if you like it. And Michelle, I think you agree with that, yeah? I 100% agree. And I think it's a lot to do with the people that you're drinking wine with, the people that you're sharing wine with, and your overall experience. I think that's the most important part. Totally. I also think that sometimes you want wine in a different way, depending on just like what you said, who you're with, what you're eating, what activity you're engaged with, and how much wine or how much other alcohol you're drinking, and or if you're making it into cocktails, if you're a sangria fan. So right now, this is like a point in time situation. I wonder if a year from now, we'll look back at this episode and be like, California cab, what are we talking about? Listen, I don't think that <laughs> will ever happen to me, but maybe here's, here's the thinking that. Cheers to open minds. Absolutely. So what we'll do today is we'll talk a little bit about your favorite wine, Michelle. We'll break it down a little bit based on the elements of the wine that you like so that if you're listening in and you say, huh, I like that wine too. What else could I try? Why might I like it? Then I'll share a little bit about my favorite, which you know is going to be funky and weird because mm-hmm. that's how I am, funky <laughs> and weird. Standard, enjoyable wine that like everybody else does and you have the most particular thing that most people haven't tried. <laughs> yeah, actually, we w- I won't reveal what my favorite one is just yet, but a good friend of mine, actually uh, a friend who has joined or will join us on this podcast at some point, um, told me that she went into a wine shop locally and asked for this style of wine. And the person at the wine shop looked at her and was like, that's not a real style. Silly girl. (laughs) And she called me and she was like, am I insane? Like, we've had this together. We love it. So we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Have an open mind, everybody. There's a lot of different styles of wine. Absolutely. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more. So let's start with you, Michelle. When you think about wine, you've had a long day, you want to celebrate something, you want to bring people together. What kind of wine, what bottle are you pulling out? So it is always for me a California cab. That is my, seriously, I've said it before and I'll say it again. (laughs) It is my whole heart is in a California cab, particularly from Paso Robles. That's my ideal region, but I don't discriminate against any kind of California wine. 
California wine is delightful and it really has put the United States on the map in terms of really big, bold, beautiful, classic wines. And California cabs can really command a high price point because they are generally regarded as amazing. So you are not alone on that island of California cab. In fact, I wish there were an island of California cab that we could just I'd go to. I'd be the first be one, one way ticket. <laughs> yeah, I know. It would be like me and Wilson the volleyball just talking <laughs> back and forth. You could come too. There'd be plenty of wine, so that would be fantastic. So have you been out to California wine country to try those I have wines? not. No, and I think the biggest – for me, I've I really recently got into wine, and I think maybe expanding my palate is for, for the best. However, I have not been out there, and that's probably after, – after I do a couple more trips, that's going to be the next one on my list. Well, I'm very excited. I'm going to pull you out there at some point. We're just going to go on a girls' weekend, and it's going to be debaucherous. Explore and – Drink wine. We're going to drink wine. We're going to go to one of my favorite little hole-in-the-wall highway burger places in between tastings, Mm. load up on carbs and calories, and then get back at it. But I think I would want to have like that like gooey, greasy burger with a California cab. That just sounds so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm talking about like the best possible pairing right now. As I say, here's how we're going to (laughs) regroup. But so when you're in California wine country and you're talking about cabs, there's actually a lot of diversity. There are these big, bold cabs, the classic Napa cab that you think of. They're high in alcohol. They feel like heavy cream or whole milk in terms of viscosity and thickness on your palate, the weight Mm -hmm. of that wine. Um, And they often have a lot of red fruit and kind of oak influence on the palate. Is that what you're talking about when you say California cab, baby? Yep, I want my entire mouth to feel that wine. Every little follicle within my mouth needs to feel it, and I I feel like that's exactly what happens. It's super heavy. I feel like my mouth is always so satisfied on every sip, and that's kind of why I enjoy it so much. Do you then find that other wines that are not so full-bodied, so not as heavy on your palate, not so nuanced in flavor, do you find them less exciting or kind of less appealing to you? A hundred percent. I think for me, I really have a hard time with Pinot Noirs because it's like oh, not heavy enough. It's every time I have one, it I feel like it's watered down. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what my mind goes to. I'm like, this like isn't it's not enough for me. Like the body isn't there. And the same thing with like white wines are a little bit different because I can get I can really get behind like a nice, like full bodied, like Something like a Sauv Blanc that I can really feel that same similar mouthfeel, but obviously different flavors. But I, I think my mouth just enjoys it equally. But I've enjoyed I've enjoyed Merlots, I've enjoyed Malbecs, um, Pinot Noirs. I have a hard time with, and sometimes even some some wines from Italy I don't enjoy because I don't feel like I I don't really have that much experience with Italian wines, but I still feel that similar feeling when I do have them. If that makes sense. Yeah, Italian wines are often really great with food. And I think sometimes when people are just foraying into Italian reds, they might be too tannic up front. So they might make your mouth feel like there's a ton of astringency there. And a lot of people are like, whoa, that's a little much. I did not sign up for this. I just want a smooth drinker, which is so, so representative of a Napa cab Mm -hmm. or a Paso cab, like you said. I think what I've noticed is when you introduce food, so if you're having a Chianti, which is a bit lighter, for sure than a cab mm-hmm. with something like a bolognese, like a pasta mm. with bolognese sauce. 
suddenly everything goes out the window and you're like, this is how it was meant to be. <laughs> We're so it. happy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But so if you like big, bold wines, you said you have liked some Malbecs, which are mm-hmm. uh, really popular from France or from Argentina. Um, and then you also said you like Merlot. We actually tried a delightful Merlot together that we were not expecting to like, if you remember. That was fantastic. That was the Duckhorn? Yeah, that was the Duckhorn Merlot. It was during Merlot month, and we were both kind of on the outs with Merlot. We thought, I don't really like it, but we popped the top anyway. Uh, and we finished the whole bottle between us and your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My mom's always good for that. Love you. <laughs> um, and so I was really surprised by that Merlot as well. But how do you feel about Syrahs? Are you a Syrah fan at all? Actually, that's that's so funny that you say that because the last one I opened was a Syrah, and I really enjoyed it. It was a little bit um, – it was very purple. Like mm-hmm. this is has more of like a red color and that was a little bit more purple. I noticed that it had more like maybe because it was purple, I thought more like plummy rather than because I think of this as more cherry, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a similar full bodiness in my mouth. I was like loving it. Yeah. And that's really what I what I really like a lot. What about Zinfandels? How do you fare with Zinfandels? Uh-oh. I'm getting into Zinfandels. That's one of my newer fa- – that's Nico's favorite. You're in <laughs> Into Zin. Nico's favorite. Every time I open a bottle of Zin, I don't tell him what it is. He always tells me that wine tastes like wine. Mm-hmm. But every time I open a <laughs> bottle of Zin, he's like, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, it's a Zin. I know you like this. So I've noticed that I've enjoyed those as well. So I have – I have a I have a taste, and so does yeah. he. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, it's good that you unite on that one too. I mm-hmm. think I was out on Zins for a long time. I had only had really budget grocery store um, kind of sweet Zins. Zinfandels do naturally have a little bit of sweetness sometimes on the finish, and I think I was so used to them being almost like saccharine desserty wines that totally. I couldn't really get on board. But mm-hmm. recently, I've discovered some really delicious Zins um, from California, or uh, Zinfandel is genetically identical to an Italian grape called Primitivo, and those come oh. from the very south of Italy in Puglia. And I've been getting really into Primitivos lately, which um, are made in a bit more of an old world style. Zinfandels from California, especially very, very high in alcohol, kind of like in your face, fruity and jammy. Mm-hmm. Primitivos tend to be a little more earthy and a little more restrained, but I'm not discriminating at this point. I like both. <laughs> totally. I, I also noticed that with some kinds of zins, I originally had a bad perception because my whole thing in college, there was one time I had this white Zinfandel. And let let me tell you, it was like this gigantic pink bottle. And we decided to play beer pong with it. And I have never never had a worse hangover in my entire life. And that was the last time I had anything that had the title Zinfandel in it. So yeah. It has since redeemed itself. Let's just say that. You're getting into Zen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be the title of this episode. In, getting into Zen. That's right. It's ironic, though, because we're talking about cats. No, we're like, let's talk about our favorite <laughs> wine and name it not our favorite wine. Yeah. Um, okay. So you like big and bold. High in alcohol is a big mm-hmm. um, property that you're seeing across all of those wines. Totally. So you're in the 14, 14 and a half or higher alcohol by volume. And that is a high alcohol wine, meaning if you're drinking that at home, you want to make sure you're drinking enough water. I don't have to tell you twice. You carry around a gallon oh, yeah. jug. 
right? It's a I, gallon. I lo- yes, I love my water. No, this is a half a gallon, but oh. I fill it up, so it ends yeah. up being a gallon. It ends up being a gallon. <laughs> so just make sure you're drinking water. And also, it's big, it's bold, it's mouth-coating. You've got a ton of tannin. Remember that astringency, um, which means a lot of body. Body is that combo of alcohol and tannin. So it can hold up to some of these bigger meals. So what is your favorite thing to pair your favorite wine, a Napa or a California Cab with? I am generally, uh, I'm always a pizza person. You know that I'm, I'm a big pizza fan. I decided that on, um, on Valentine's day, we're going to have a steak, a big steak with a big California cab. And I also really enjoy, like I was saying earlier, burgers, like something that has that greasiness that like has a good combo. And then my last thing is a piece of dark chocolate. That's Mm. my, my dream is like a nice, like glass of wine with dessert almost like if I don't drink anything with dinner which sometimes happens like sometimes I what <laughs> I um usually because I'll come home from work I'll do a workout this is when Lushy Labels is not open by the way I'll, <laughs> I'll do know, a workout I know when Lushy Labels is open because you and I are on the phone at midnight <laughs> and I'm sitting on the floor not drinking wine <laughs> definitely not I uh but yeah I will have uh I will do a workout and then like eat my dinner and then I won't be in the mood to have anything and then later on at night I'll have a piece of dark chocolate with a glass of wine and that is like chef's kiss <laughs> yeah we did that if you remember we had like a slightly sweet wine and some chocolate Snoop Dogg that's Snoop, Snoop Dogg Dog wine Cali yeah. Cali Red that's a blend. yeah Yeah, we had that wine, if you remember, in the Valentine's Day class last year that you came to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Look look at us aging ourselves. Seriously. We've passed the one-year mark of our friendship, which is just bizarre to me. It's beautiful, actually. It's really beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's your favorite wine. You're big Mm -hmm. on big, bold, high-alcohol cabs. Totally. right there with you. I Mm -hmm. love that style. I wanted to say something too. I um I'm also a black coffee drinker and I wonder if that has anything to do with that. Oh yeah, you probably really like the tannins, right? That kind of bitterness, astringency that you're finding in these big bold wines. You're also finding hopefully not too overwhelmingly strong in black coffee, but that that nice balance that works for your palate. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit of like the acid I must be. Mm-hmm. And then also I, I love that like full mouth feel, like yeah. feeling like it's how I am with food too. I just want my entire mouth to be like coated with food and just enjoying and bliss. I'm just imagining you rolling up a piece of pizza and taking like a bite. <laughs> a huge... wine. <laughs> yeah. It's just a smoothie Sounds situation. <laughs> what a visual we've just created. Yes. Sorry, guys. Ooh. All right, let's talk about you. What is your go-to favorite wine? If you had to pick one wine for the rest of your life, what would it be? God, okay, there's so many questions in there, but I think I've said this once, and just like you, I'll say it again. I think the coolest style of wine I've ever had is a white Pinot Noir, which is just so opposite of me agreeing with you on these cabs right now. But 100%. And also, I've never heard of that until talking to you. I've never heard of a white Pinot Noir. Well, here I am, here to bring it into the forefront. So I'll mm-hmm. tell you a little bit about white Pinot. We're, we were talking about this on another episode, how you make wine and kind of the basics of winemaking. But the, the very shortcut answer is you can make red wine from black grapes because red wine is getting the color from the skins that rest with the juice. The inside, the pulp of the grape, about 99% of grapes have a, a clear juice and a clear pulp. It's the skins that are giving it the color. 
So when you make red wine, oh, we're getting to orange wine. I'll I'll do a a quick overview. (laughs) You just like to insert my little bits of knowledge when I can. I know. And you're you're (laughs) killing it. Um, So red wine, you smush black grapes, you leave the skins in. White wine, typically, you smush white grapes and you take the skins out. When you make rosé, it's a combination therein. There's a bunch of different ways. We have an episode all about rosé. You should listen to that. Um, And when you make white wine, you can actually make it from black grapes. You just smush the black grapes. I know. You smush the black grapes. So Pinot Noir is a black grape. Um, You smush them and you get rid of the skins right away. So you smush them really gently and you get rid of the skins and you don't have any residual color. You just have the clear juice that comes from the pulp of the grape. And so White Pinot Noir, you could technically make a white Cabernet Sauvignon. You could make a white Cabernet Franc. You can make a white Merlot. A lot of people choose not to because there's so much nuance in the flavor and in the tannin that comes from the skins, the stems, and the seeds of grapes. But Mm -hmm. there are some styles, and I've had a white Cab Franc. I've had, obviously, white Pinot. I've had a couple red wines but or black grapes made into white wine and they are so funky and so cool is it is it difficult to remove the skins i know this is a little bit like sidetrack but is it difficult to remove them well there's machinery that kind of does it for you if you imagine when you smush grapes oftentimes it's done in this think of a big vat with a giant balloon and the balloon inflates and slowly pushes the grapes against the inside of this steel tank So the more air you put into the balloon and the firmer that balloon gets, the harder it pushes the grapes into the side, the inside of that tank. So if you overinflate it, then you're going to get the skins to seep some of their color anyway. But if you Mm -hmm. manage the pressure just enough, it's like if you were holding a grape and you smushed it just enough that the juice came out, but not so much that the whole grape got destroyed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I just see that being very difficult for like a white Pinot Noir because the skins would definitely have that color that would go into the juice. Yeah, it's a really delicate process and you have to get the pressure just right. Um, But it's often done in a way that is a really beautiful style. But I also love what I learned when I was recently in Oregon because of the wildfires in 2020. There is a significant proportion of grapes grown in that year that have what's called smoke taint, which means the smoke is kind of like trapped in the skins. And so if you were to make red wine out of those grapes, you or even make white wine out of uh, white grapes, if you chose to leave the skins in for any amount of time, Mm -hmm. you would get that kind of element of smokiness in the wine. Some people say that that can be avoided if you're really, really careful. A lot of other winemakers and wine growers decided to just foregrow the entire or foregrow, forego <laughs> the entire crop because they said there was too much smoke taint to make the wine a oh, that's viable so wine. Sad. I know. I know it's really upsetting and it's really disappointing. But what I did learn while I was in Oregon last year is that there are some and Oregon, you know, is kind of like the Mecca for me when it comes to Pinot Noir. Totally. Burgundy, mm-hmm. absolutely heralded worldwide. Yeah, But in my house, Oregon is heralded a bit higher because I I just love it. And so there were some wineries and some estates out in Oregon that for their 2020 wines decided instead of making red Pinot Noirs to make white Pinot Noirs. So again, to gently press those grapes so that they remove the skins and don't get that smoke taint in the wine and still get to use the crop. 
that's amazing. How mm-hmm. resourceful of them. That's I know. great. <laughs> um, and so the cool thing about white Pinot and the thing that I like most about it, other than it being like so obscure, um, <laughs> I like it because how much it profiles like a white Burgundy. So wines made in Burgundy, if they're red, they're made generally from Pinot Noir. If they're white, Burgundy's in France, correct? Yes. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. So <laughs> if you have a, if, if somebody pulls out a wine and they're like, it's a Burgundy, it's a Ron Burgundy. No, if it's, it's a Burgundy, if it's red, it's almost always Pinot Noir. Um, Mm. and if it's a white, it's almost always Chardonnay. I I always use the word almost because I don't know everything there is to know about Burgundy and I'm sure there is someone making some kind of one-off wine somewhere that I'm not aware of. But so a red Burgundy, typically Pinot Noir, a white Burgundy, typically Chardonnay. And they are some of the most expensive wines that exist. They are so beautiful and so well-regarded and so like beautifully farmed and harvested. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of years of winemaking experience there. But when you have a white Pinot Noir, you're getting this kind of like golden apple and um, like hazelnut and caramel on the nose. Mm. And it actually has a bit of a bigger body than you'd expect because oftentimes white Pinot Noirs are then aged in oak, even if it's neutral oak. So they're getting some of that oak influence. We're going to open one with you. And I feel like even though you like big, bold cabs and Pinot Noir is like not really your thing. I feel like I'm going to convert you to be a white Pinot fan. I'm ready for it. Are white white wines generally aged in oak? It depends. A lot of white wines are aged in stainless steel tanks. So Mm -hmm. your Sauvignon Blancs, your Pinot Grigios, most of Mm -hmm. those do not have oak influence. And that's the choice of the winemaker to make it in a particular style. Okay. There's a lot I've of never like had any white wine that had an oak taste to it or that I can recall. Maybe maybe a Chardonnay, but yeah. other than that, not really. So Chardonnay is very often, at least in the States, aged in oak. Um there's and we'll say this for another episode, the really nitty-gritty of it, but when uh wine is aged in oak, it undergoes another fermentation called malolactic fermentation, when malic acid is converted to lactic acid. And you know lactic acid from dairy. And yeah. that's why in Chardonnay, you have that buttery element because it's it's sitting in oak and it's getting this identical acid to what dairy gets. Okay, stupid question. Are Never a stupid are, question. Are people who are lactose intolerant unable to have wines that have lactic acid in them? No, because they don't have lactose, I which see. is different and I don't know how. I mean, that's all I really needed. That's a fantastic question, though. I hope I'm not wrong. (laughs) I hope I haven't, like, given a Chardonnay to somebody. No, but it's... it's, it's (laughs) If we have anybody who knows the definite answer, which I'm pretty sure Brielle got right, but just in case, let us know. Yeah, lactose is in actual dairy. Lactic acid is, like, kind of a... Just, like, an acid that's also found there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, That's a great question, though. I feel like that would be a great wine trivia question. All right. We'll tell wine shenanigans. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> the wine opportunity. Wine opportunity. Yeah. If I knew enough about wine, I totally want to be in that, but I don't want to embarrass myself too much. So I don't even want to be in that. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to um, ask you about is are white Pinot Noirs more expensive because of this process that they go through? Because it has to be so like gentle. It's a great question. Typically, I found that they're not. They're pretty commiserately priced with other kind of premium Pinot Noirs out in Oregon, the ones that I've purchased. There's, if you can find them. If you can find them. And, you know, I've only had probably 
five or six brands that I've ever seen who make white Pinot. Now, I think Mm -hmm. that number is going to significantly go up in what we see on the market this year because of the 2020 fires and the number of wineries out in Oregon, for example, who have decided to salvage their crop by making a white Pinot. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's becoming more and more popular. I found wines, um, a, a winery called Amity has one for, I think it's sub 20 for the bottle, which is really exciting. And it's really, really accessible. I think that's, that's great. That's like the 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 entry level white Pinot, I'd say, because as you discover whether or not you like it, you can get kind of more specific in what exactly you're looking for and more funky depending on the wineries that make it. But that's one of my favorites. And it's I've found it um, in wine shops on the East Coast, but more often I found it on the West Coast. And I know they sell online, but they're they're really, really delicious. That's very affordable and very easy to hey, I maybe I'll to keep keep an eye out and if I find them I'll definitely pick one up. Yeah, you should. I I really really like white pinot and we're going to try it together and I think you'll be surprised at how much you like it cuz it does have a bit of a fuller body um mm-hmm. and it does have a lot of flavor depth that I think you look for when you're talking about the reason you love your reds so much. Totally. And I think I've I've said this before also, but I love feeling like there's like layers within it. I love feeling like there's multiple every sip I get, I have a different kind of like taste. And sometimes that stuff falls flat for me when I feel like it's one dimensional, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think there are some people who like wine to be very light bodied and not nuanced. A lot of people I do wine tastings with really enjoy rosés from Provence in France. They're mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So Oh my gosh. But That's so, like yes. It's my favorite so, rosé. But it's so interesting that you're like crushing hard on Provence rosés. I find them like very light, very floral and not as nuanced as I want them to be. I really like, and here I am just, you know, continuing to exalt Pinot Noir. I love Pinot Noir roses, including <laughs> the one we tried for your bachelorette party, if you remember. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, it has so much of a kind of bright cherry flavor. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuance there. Um, so okay, that's what so I reach for. Hear me out. I think, so what I was... <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying before about uh, my black coffee, right? So I like a black coffee, but if I'm in the mood for like a sweet drink, I will go in. Like I'll get like today, for example, I was like, I'm going to have a long day at work. I'm going to have this. I had a shaken espresso with oat milk and with, and it has like the, the sugar-free vanilla or whatever. So it's like this super floofy drink. I love but- floofy. I go into it knowing what I'm having, right? So I think when I go into it knowing that I'm going to have like this like a little bit more like sweet side, like it's going to be a little creamier because I'm putting oat milk in it. Um, I know what I'm expecting and that's how I feel about rosés sometimes. Like I want my rosés to feel like it is a summer day. I'm at the lake. I have this beautiful chilled glass of rosé in my hand. I'm enjoying its sweetness. I'm sipping it down like lemonade and (laughs) I'm feeling it. So that's that's where I'm at. So that's the difference because I I think I think of them as two different things. It's like my my go-to wine is my big bold cab. But if I want to feel like I'm having this relaxing drink. That's where I'm going to go to my nice light rosé. I think you're becoming the wine pro, my friend. Look at I, you, I don't know about that. <laughs> look at you describing and finding like new ways to interpret the way that you prefer wine. Because you can love a big, bold cab and then prefer a much lighter rosé. You can love a 
kind of lighter red wine and then say, no, I need my rosés deep and dark and more nuanced. Mm -hmm. It's all about personal preference. But totally. I will say rosé on the lake on a hot summer day, I don't care what it is. I'm having it. <laughs> well, I'm – okay. So tell us just really quickly, tell us the exact wine you're drinking, if you don't mind, because of how – I talked about the Amity, that white Pinot. Um, mm -hmm. But tell me about the wine that you're drinking because you've mentioned how much you like this particular bottle. Yeah. So like I was saying before, I love a Paso Cab. That's usually my go-to, like if I have anything to pick. But when I just go to the wine store or I'm picking up something for friends, I normally get a bottle of Josh wine. I know me and your parents relate on that level. <laughs> me and your parents can just open a bottle of Josh Cab and just have a great time. So I love a Josh, but I was at Total Wine actually picking up some bottles that we'll talk about later, me and you will talk about later, yes. um, that you picked out for me, which I'm very excited to to talk about, but I found this bottle of Josh that was specifically grown in Paso Robles. So they had a couple different ones. They had one, like, I think they normally grow in Napa. They had like a Sonoma one. They had different, like different regions of California, which is, I guess, a new thing that they're doing. And I found this Paso Robles and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> this is the Mecca for me. So I picked up a bottle. I don't know why I only got one. I should have gotten 17, but I did not. <laughs> So I opened this bottle and it was heaven on earth through me. It's so good. It's like smooth, but like there's like big flavors of like the dark fruit. And I feel like there's a bit of like, I taste the oaky. I taste, oh, let, me, let me take another sip. Yeah. Give it a sip. <laughs> As finish, right? Yeah. Do you get anything that's like leathery or tobacco-y or baking spicy? All of, All of it. Yeah. Everything's like super thick um, and I I had a flavor before. I I think it was leather, like that, like really like deep feeling in my mouth, and it's just so good. Yeah, but it it does everything it wants to do. I also realized that it's not as tannic as I um, thought it would be. It's a little smoother, but I enjoy that. Like I, it's really it's so easy to drink, too easy to drink, and. <laughs> and um, I am not eating food right now, which is probably a mistake because I was on my feet for 12 hours today. But <laughs> as she finishes oh, the glass, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> as I speak right into the microphone, I need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high alcohol wine. It happens. Mm, yeah. We always get this. I think this might only be 13.5. I, I Don't quote me. Mm, it's still on the high end, but fair. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. so it feels a little restrained for a cab. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, we have a lot more to talk about, including the wines that you purchased that um, we're going to share more about on another episode, um, totally. how you age wine and why you age wine and what happens when you age it. Um, we also have episodes on their way about how wine is made and the differences between the different styles of wine. We gave you a sneak preview today, but I think this one was fun. Drinking our favorite wines, talking about it. Absolutely. I can't wait for people to tell us what their favorite wines are. I want them I want to hear what people think about cabs and what they think about Pinot Noirs. If they think I'm crazy thinking that they're too too light watery, what are you talking about? I mean, I don't discriminate. I don't discriminate. <laughs> I, you tell me a style of wine and I'm like, yep, I'll try that. Bring it sure, over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, hold on. Also, I wanted to say that my favorite white wine is Sauvignon Blanc. I think I mentioned that before, but I think having I, I wanted to talk, I talked a little bit about my rosé, a little bit about my cab, and uh, Sauvignon Blanc is my favorite. And I wonder if that has anything to do with my enjoyment for this cab. I I don't know. Super high acid in a Savi B 
especially mm-hmm. in New Zealand. So that's in line with yeah, your black it. coffee. And, you know, even cabs from California have a good amount of acid. You don't always perceive it right away because there's so much else going on. But yeah, I think you like the acid. That must be it. Cool. Cool. Well, it looks like we've both gotten to the end of our glass here. So I think mm-hmm. that means it's time to close up shop for the day. Go pour ourselves another glass. And- oh, no, no, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this was good. I didn't need anything. I, as not following our own advice, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that glass is definitely empty. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll go back and listen and make sure we were coherent through this whole thing. But um, please. You know what parts I'm going to take out. Thanks. <laughs> please let us know if you have a favorite wine and we mentioned it today or if we didn't and we need to try it. We'd love to. Absolutely. Anything that we haven't tried, we want to try. That's part of this podcast. There are 10,000 different kinds of grapes and we want to try them all. And I keep drinking California caps. <laughs> hey, if you're a wino and want to learn more about wine, check out Brielle's business, Viva Livino, and sign up for a wine class. And make sure to follow along on Instagram at the wine pro and the wino for lots of fun wine content and subscribe to us here. If you get a chance, we'd love you to give us a five-star review. We hear it helps. New episodes drop every Monday, so we hope you'll tune in. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to sip with you next time. Cheers! Cheers.